Today on Horror Deadbeats, we are very, very fortunate to have Miss Lynn Lowry. Uh, she has been in such iconic films as George Romero's The Crazies, David Cronenberg's Shivers, and the Paul Schrader 1982 remake of Cat People, amidst uh, all of her other things that she's involved in and all her other many talents. It's a pleasure to have you, Lynn. Thank you. Thank you. I'm very, very happy to be here. Lynn, uh, I, I guess this is the, the pretty standard question, but uh, you were, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong here, you were born in Illinois, but you were raised in Atlanta. I was born in East St. Louis, Illinois, which uh, my mom tells me I shouldn't tell anyone. I should tell them I was born in St. Louis, Missouri, because East St. Louis <laughs> is such a, gotten to be not a very great place. Um, they say if you if you get lost in East St. Louis, don't stop at the um, the traffic lights. So, <laughs> but you know, I sort of find it interesting to to have been born there. And when I was born there and lived there for the first like ten or ten, eleven, twelve years, I think uh, it was pretty nice. So and then I moved to actually I moved to Burbank, California, before I moved to Atlanta. So I was out in Burbank for about six months and then we moved to Atlanta so that was a, an incredible shock to go from East St. Louis to Burbank California and then finally to Atlanta sure you know <laughs> very different yeah. Dallas, I've done some creepy stuff in movies too <laughs> oh yeah Shivers is one of them Oof. if you think you're not afraid of the dark <laughs> if you think you have a strong stomach <laughs> If you feel nothing can shock you. If you say you don't scare easily. If you believe you've seen everything. Then prepare yourself for a motion picture that takes you beyond fear. Beyond your wildest nightmares. And brings you face to face with terror beyond the power of priest or science to exercise. What are they? Raging demons from another world? Bloodthirsty creatures that must be killed? Or incarnations of absolute evil? They possess men, women, and children, and drive them to acts of unbelievable horror. No one is safe from them. No power on earth can stop them. The only escape is death. If this picture doesn't make you scream and squirm, you'd better see a psychiatrist. Quick. Yeah, I am pretty creepy in that in the, in the end part. You know, you know what made it so creepy though is you were just you were you were almost so uh, so angelic. You were so. You were and are a, a very beautiful lady, and but you seem so innocent and angelic, and but it's all this horrific stuff happening around you and shivers, and uh, I, you know that made an impact on me. I will never forget that. And in the crazies too, you're you're always this little beautiful ray of sunshine with you know, and everything around you looks like hell with a hole knocked in it. You know. Well, thank you. I mean, that's, <laughs> uh, I think that I think that that's one of the things that sort of makes my film performances so memorable. Uh, I mean, that uh, that scene in Shivers where I come up out of the swimming pool is, is one of my favorite um, uh, things that 
of neon film because it's such a combination of sort of innocence and sensuality and yet evil. And, uh, and I just love that, that moment and the slow motion and the, the hand coming out, you know, towards Paul Hampton, who I really wanted to give the parasite to. So, you yeah. know, it was really cool <laughs> to, to do that. I love that. Yeah. Actually, I just watched that, uh, last week. So, it's pretty fresh in my head, uh, Shippers. Yeah, it's a, it's still, it still stands up today, mm-hmm. and um, they're you know they're doing a remake of it. I don't know if you. That's what I that. heard. Yeah, yeah. And actually, I was uh, talking to Andre Link, um, who was the producer along with Charles uh, Dunning, um, and um, you know I told him that I really wanted to be in it if possible. Oh, cool. And so you know he said he was he would let me know when the time was right. And so we'll see. You know, maybe, maybe a you know a good cameo or something. Yeah. They don't really like to use the original people in the remakes because they don't want the audience to be thinking about the original. They want them to think, you know, about you know a fresh approach to the remake. Right. So they seldomly ever give any of the original people big parts in the re- remakes. Right. So, you know, if I could get a cameo, that would be great. So I'm working on it. Well, I don't want to jump out of place, but that's like the story you're telling me about the crazies, the remake. I mean, uh, they surprise you by riding the bicycle. Oh, yeah. Now, they surprised me with singing the song. Yeah. Um, with the bicycle, you know, it was uh, it was definitely. Uh, I was not prepared. I, I always like to be really prepared as an actor, but in that particular situation, they had told my manager that I had nothing to learn. You know, just come and so I, you know I got there and the director, the assistant director, called me that night at like nine. My call <laughs> time was five a.m. and this is in Iowa. And he said, you know, uh, are you all ready with the song? And I was like, what? You know, and he said, you know, the, the hymn that you're singing, you know. And I said, I don't know what you're talking about. Oh. And so then they had to get the song over to me, and then they sent over a CD, and they don't have CD players, you know, when motels in Iowa. And so they finally found somebody who had a recorder, and then I had to learn this song that night, and... <laughs> it was just uh, it was just funny to me that you know on a twenty one million dollar movie that no one told me that I had to learn him and ride a bike. You know. <laughs> oh, I so. love that story still. But I'm I just happy it. for the for the guy that that still had the the compact disc player that could help you out with uh, <laughs> learning the hymn for the crazy remote. <laughs> yeah, you know the difference between though. Um, it's funny that you say that because I'm the difference between the movies that we do today and the, the ones I did back in the '70s are that when we did in the '70s, it was it was for the art of doing it. I mean, everyone was there uh, like a family to to make something that was magical and special and that would last forever. And now it's a job. You know, I, I'm not, and I'm not saying that they're not creative and that they're, right. and that they don't do a good job, but basically that's what it is. 
So that's you know the different thought process. You uh, you kind of came into your own during the '70s, and and uh, guys, I don't want to hog it all, but um, the the Cronenberg film, um, especially Cronenberg, came about right at the time that that porn chic was in, and uh, you know it was. Do you think that that Shivers would have even gotten made if the timing hadn't been right? It's 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 not a porno film, but it's very erotic. Uh, do you think that the timing had to be in place for that movie to get made? Well, I mean, I think that it was really lucky that it got made, and that they were very fortunate to get the the funding that they got. And of course, all those people were really upset about supporting the film with that funding when they saw it. Uh, they were pretty shocked. You know, at it at the time, there was pretty big controversy, you know, about the making of it and getting the money for it and all that. But you know, the film, uh, the film is, is the first movie ever to show body horror. Mm -hmm. I don't think there was any a movie before that film where something comes out of the body that way. Right. And so I think that's why you know one of the reasons why it's such a classic. Um, is that, you know, the films after that, like Alien and all of those films, I think they, they got that idea from Shivers. So, you know, I think it was very, very lucky that it happened at that particular time, and it was Cronenberg's first film, and, you know, Ivan Reitman was involved, but, you know, they were nobody, you know, at that point. Right. So for them to get it all together the way they did and make it happen was pretty phenomenal. I had no idea that Ivan Reitman was so much involved in Canadian cinema right about that time, but uh, he was behind a lot of things like that. And, and uh, David Cronenberg's next film, Rabid, uh, you know, they, they capitalized on, on the lovely girl and the, the body horror again with Marilyn Chambers. Mm -hmm. And uh, they want, they originally wanted to get Sissy Spacek, but Ivan Reitman suggested Marilyn Chambers to keep it sexy to go along with, you know, the, all the body horror images. So I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, Ivan and I didn't get along real well. So. <laughs> <laughs> that was unfortunate, you know. If I'd known what he was going to turn out to be, I would have maybe been nicer to him. But <laughs> he, was, uh, he wasn't very nice when I worked with him. And um, uh, we just didn't hit it off. And, uh, you know, if they were looking for a sissy, to, sissy basic, I would have been perfect for Rabbit because... I looked so much like Sissy Spacek when I was, you know, younger, mm -hmm. and still actually look like her. Yeah, it could it could have been your legacy from Shivers that uh, subliminally that he knew that what he had in you the first time. Yeah, you never know. Yeah, yeah. Well, I should have gone to that party in his room when he asked me. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Uh, how did you get into acting? Well, you know, when I was a child, I was uh, very shy. And um, I, you know, had trouble being, talking to people and, you know, stuff like that. And so I, when, but when I got up in front of people, like I got up when I was like seven and I did um, a report on the spider and everybody wanted me to read their report after that. And I thought, hmm, there might be something to this. <laughs> and so I went on from there and I, you know, did high school, grade school plays and uh, I created my own skits and I did crazy things in front of the, you know, the high school, you know, funny stuff and 
created a drama club in high school and got to be the president of it and got it won a speech um, uh, won a scholarship in speech and drama to go to uh, University of Georgia and so I just ever since I was a very young age I, I found that being up in front of people I got to use someone else's words and um, be a, a different character and I was able to shine uh, through that and, uh, you know, find my way and, and got to be popular that way and got attention that way and so that's that's why I became an actor. And b before we get on to the crazies, um, you worked with uh, Lloyd Kaufman? Yes. Battle of Love's Return, can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, uh, I was at an audition for uh, Pan and Joe uh, that um, John Abelson, I think, was directing, and Lloyd was his assistant or production manager or something. And so I went for the audition, and I was sitting out in the waiting room. And Lloyd walked in, and he saw me, and he he came right over to me, and he said, "Oh my God, uh, I just lost uh, the the lead girl in the movie that I'm shooting, and you would be perfect for it." Uh, of course, you know, we're not paying anything, but, <laughs> but you know, we'd love to have you. You know, would you be interested? And, I mean, I hadn't done anything, and so it sounded like it, it would be fun. So that's that's how I got involved with Lloyd. And it actually started out to be a short. And a lot of people, you know, asked me what my first film was. But my first feature film was I Drink Your Blood. But the first uh, short that I did was the Battle of Love's Return, and then after I Drink Your Blood, Lloyd turned that into a feature film, Unfor unfortunately, but, uh, but you know, it was, Lloyd was great, and he's, he, we're still very good friends, and um, he's, uh, I also did sugar cookies uh, for, for trauma, um, you know, with Lloyd, so we have a bit of a history together. Um, if we go on to crazies we never thought it would happen nobody gets in or out of that town now is that clear the girl just died how do you intend to let the people know about all this we were asleep well, they dragged us right out of the house are we under martial law don't talk to me or anybody else unless you get a voice print check oh those broke loose in town nobody knows what's going on now look, you just can't push us around this way. We've got to get a nuclear weapon in the air above that town. Hey, what the hell's going on, Sheriff? You know what I do, boy. Let's go. I taken me no push. Hold it, old man. This is easy. They started something they can't stop. The crazy. There's a... Something that dements. Something that inflames. Something that brutalizes. It's madness unleashed by human error. The crazies. Can they tame it before time runs out? I'm a key man on the Christmas team. A key man! I'm one of the developers of the goddamn thing. Now, if you want me to get the job done, you get me the stuff I need, and you get it the hell in there before the morning's over. A small town becomes a giant stockade. Evan City must be contained or leveled. 
We're all concerned with Evans City, Mr. Hawks. If we have to push the button, we just say the weapon went off. Get me the president. Three thousand six hundred and fourteen people are trapped by an unknown enemy. Five are on the run. Can they escape the spreading fury of the crazies? You can make it. I know it. Stop it! Stop it! They're coming, David! Tape, they're coming. The move. We gotta get out of here. Jesus, man. And I want a weapon search for the entire town. Watch it, Bucky! This is exactly the kind of thing we're trying to prevent. A lethal terror snowballs into hell. In there. Madness runs rampant. We'll dope it out sooner or later. Sooner or later. The crazy. What are your memories of that working with uh, Romero? Well, uh, George was wonderful. He is truly um, a gentleman. Um, he is a big, big man, um, and just just so warm, just like a big, you know, cuddly teddy bear. And he was very um, patient and, uh, you know, curious about ideas that we would have, that we would want to try, very open, you know, to, you know, anything, really. Um, and if he had an idea that was better or, or I had an idea that was better, he definitely would let me do, you know, what I wanted to do. He didn't seem to have any ego. He just wanted the movie to be the best that it could be. And so he was uh, just a wonderful, uh, you know, person to work with. And uh, even though uh, Evans, Evansville, Evanstown, I can't remember the name of the town we were in, but it was pretty pretty gloomy. Um, Pittsburgh, you know, it's pretty dreary and gloomy. But uh, but he was delightful, and I mean I would work with him, uh, as my friend Richard Griffin would say. Um, uh, what does he say? Oh, in a cocaine heartbeat. <laughs> Richard said. Sounds like Richard. Story again. Yeah, yeah. So he was great. The only time, and I've I've told this story um, so many times, but the only time that I ever disagreed with George was when I get killed. And that was just because I wanted to have the big death scene, you know, and uh, thought that I was going to get to do that, you know, scream and writhe and crawl on the ground and grab the soldier's leg and be drugged across the field, you know, make it last a long time, you know, get a lot of camera time and stuff. And he just wanted me to say, you know, oh. And I just thought, oh, my God, that's so lame, you know. That's never going to work. But, you know, he, he insisted, and so, um, of course, I did, and it turned out to be one of the most memorable moments in the film because you can't do what I wanted to do after a rape scene with your father, like the one that we did. You just can't top that with 
more violence, screaming or whatever. And so that that moment that's so innocent and pure and almost curious is a very powerful moment. So he was definitely right on with that. You just described the the, the scene I was going to ask you about. It's uh, I, I'll never forget that scene. And uh, the crazies was was one that uh, I thought the remake was very well done. Probably the the best Romero remake uh, that has come about, including Dawn of the Dead. Uh, but that scene with with you and your father, uh, like I said, I will never forget that ever because uh, it was very powerful. And what you know, I mean. You have the subject matter of your films. It was, it was just so out there. That's I was excited to talk to you today because of of like all these this beautiful woman in all these horrible horrible situations. <laughs> it yeah. seems like you always found yourself in something like that. Yeah, I don't know why that was. <laughs> but, uh, somehow or another, I always got cast as these sort of crazy people, you know, that were pretty. <laughs> pretty and look kind of angelic and elf like and then go you know goes crazy so um but yeah that scene was that that was a very difficult scene to do for me and for Richard because we had grown very close through the whole shoot and it really was almost like being raped you know by your by your father in a way and but you know we just became the characters and did what you know what we had to do and um i think the scene is you know really creepy and and they they wouldn't even touch that scene in the remake i mean i asked breck breck eisner about that and he told me that when he first took on the project that they asked him if they, he was going to do the lynn lowry rape scene and you know and he said oh no no you know we can't uh, we can't have that kind of thing in the film so they didn't even show, have my father and me characters in the remake. Yeah. Uh, because I just think that, uh, I think we're so memorable in the movie uh, that people would, they would just constantly be thinking about the original. Right. So, you know, they have to be careful, you know, of that. So I, we were eliminated. Well, Which, you know, in a way was unfortunate, but uh, I, I don't know if that could have been recreated the way it was because... No. Uh, it, it couldn't have been. Um, you know, the original is very disturbing, um, very memorable. The remake is entertaining and fun, uh, but I don't think in 40 years people are going to remember the, re- the remake. But I do think in 40 years they're going to remember Romero's film. But that that was definitely the the most memorable part of it and you're right it, it kind of became the, the dynamic for the remake was the, the husband and wife thing uh, right. it was yeah it was it was definitely did not have the feel of the original how did how did you pick your your roles because they have been so unique was it more serendipity or, or was it something about it that that attracted you to it the the original role of the yeah movie? yeah any, anything well, you, you know, have done well you know i mean i was just desperate to work and um you know and frankly and and i don't you know want this to be taken the wrong way because i'm gonna i'm gonna explain it in a second but frankly i never thought anyone would ever see those movies <laughs> I, mean, I drink your blood i mean I, I never thought anyone would see it you know it was like uh, and shivers and the crazies it was like you know i did those films just to sort of get experience 
in hopes that somebody might see me and I might go on to get to do, um, you know, more expensive, bigger budgets, you know. I mean, you know, and win an Academy Award, you know. I mean, that kind of dream, you know. So, but I have to say, in all honesty, that those films, of course, have lasted. And, and I do see now that they are extremely good and the quality and the cinematography and the acting and, you know, everything about them is just uh, stellar. So, I mean, I'm extraordinarily proud to be in those movies, and if it hadn't been for those movies, I would not be working now. It was a good time for cinema, yeah, because, like, it was meager budgets, but it was people with a lot of talent. That's pretty much what it boiled down to. Yeah, yeah. And, of course, you know, um, Joe Mangine um, was actually the cinematographer on I Drink Your Blood. Bloodiest. Bloodiest. Double horror show in history. I drink your blood and I eat your skin. Men become animals and eat their victims. I drink your blood and I eat your skin. Thirsty zombies ravaging a peaceful countryside. <coughs> I drink your blood and I eat your skin. Will make your blood curdle and your skin crawl. <laughs> but you will sit there and suffer through the tortures of the damned. You will sit and watch this shocking ugliness splashing across the screen. You will ask yourself, what acts of sadism will this electric knife be used for? What horrors will be performed with this axe? This holds, the dagger, gun, this sword, all the implements necessary to make this the ultimate in adult horror films. painted a bloody picture, but it is only a small part of what actually takes place in I drink your blood and I eat your skin. Can you take it? If you have a strong constitution, we challenge you to test it and sit through. I drink your blood and I eat your skin. But he doesn't get credit for it because he had to leave two weeks before they wrapped because he had a contract to go to France. And they were all so angry with him that they did, never, they did not give him credit. 
and he, of course, he did Alligator and the Sword and the Sorcerer, and right. and I mean, he he is the reason that I drink your blood is memorable today. I mean, the way that he did the lighting and the way that he shot, like the scene where I cut the lady's hand off. I mean, you know, we shot that scene for like two days. I mean, he wanted it to be perfect, and so you know that that is the reason. And of course, the the way that Dave cast. You know, was also you know part of the reason the movie is remembered today. But it, uh, I always try to tell everyone, Joe is no longer with us, but but he was just you know essential to that project. What it was like working with uh, David Cronenberg because um, he's a uh, very individualistic person, if that's the right word. So uh-huh. how did you find how did you find working with him? Well, you know, when I worked with David. He was just a normal guy. <laughs> I don't know what he's like now, but when I worked with him, he was just, you know, like a, the guy next door. He was just friendly and charming and wonderful. And, um, you know, he pretty much let, left me alone. You know, he just let me do my own thing. Um, I think I was cast, you know, pretty right uh, for the film. And... Um, uh, you know, uh, I worked with Paul Hampton on it, and I, for for many many years, I really did not like Paul's performance in the film because I, I think Paul. Um, <laughs> this is so funny because he kind of ignores me in the movie, and I didn't like that. You know, I didn't like to be ignored. You know, I'm throwing my sex at him, you know, and I'm like, you know, <laughs> trying to seduce him, and he's like, you know, it's like he could care less. And I so for a long time I thought, well, that sucks, you know, and that wasn't right, and he should have been more attentive and stuff like that. But but now when I watch the movie, I think Paul is actually uh, perfect in the movie because there's what's going on around him is so deranged that you know he he had to have that kind of sort of absent you know, being absent in a way. And I think it works really well. So, uh, it, you know, I thought when we were shooting that we didn't have a lot of chemistry, but now I think that that was right for the role. And, um, you know, the only thing about David was, uh, of course, the story's been told a million times, but he used to, uh, the girl that played the, um, the woman that cries all the time. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, she uh, she couldn't cry, and so she asked David if he would uh, would slap her around so she could cry. Wow! So yeah, so he was always they were always going off into the next room, and she'd come out crying. Oh my so, God! I don't know. May, you know, maybe that's what got David even more into weird. Stuff. <laughs> I'm not sure. Oh. <laughs> and and yeah, you got to. You, you got to stab him yeah. in the shoulder with a fork too. Yes, I did. I did, <laughs> and, he, and I, I, I'll tell you about that in a second. But he asked me once when I had to be emotional. He asked me if I needed any help, and I said, "No, David, I can act." So <laughs> I didn't want to be, be slapped around by David. You know, of course, of course, if I'd known now who David was going to become, I might have, you know, let him slap me around a little bit back then, but. Anyway, but yes, I did. I uh, they put a little pad. Uh, he was standing in for the actor. I don't know why, but they 
put this tiny little pad on his shoulder, and I was supposed to hit that pad with that big cooking fork as I'm screaming and being attacked. And uh, I missed the pad, and he, hit, you know, went right into his shoulder. And not deep, you know, but uh, deep enough that it bled, and he was, you know, in pain a little bit. But he was very nice about it and understood it, and I got, I think I hit it right the next time, or they made the pad bigger. But, you know, you know, back then, we, we like, didn't have, you know, the, uh, the technical stuff. So, I mean, it was just like, you know, everybody jump in the pool and swim toward the people and try to drown Paul, you know. <laughs> you know, and you're like, well, wait a minute, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to be in the middle of a pool with all, all these crazy townspeople who have no acting experience at all, and they're just telling them to be crazy and, you know, drown us. You know, it's like, you know, hold on. So, you know, it was, it was pretty different. I mean, when we did I Drink Your Blood, that one scene where they cut off um, Alex Mann's leg, uh, George Patterson, uh, the African-American actor, cuts his leg off, and they had uh, Alex's, you know, lower part of his leg, you know, was bent and uh, was, like, down under the table, and his part of his thigh was, you know, showing. And David Durston <laughs> drew a little line and said, now, now, George, be sure you don't go, you know, above that line, because if you do, you'll, you'll actually, you know cut his leg off. Oh, my God. You know, and, you know, and George is like got rabies, and he's, like, foaming at the mouth and, you know, wielding this, this axe, you know, and, you know, comes down right on that, that mark. But, you know, shit. I mean, that was, like, crazy, you know. Wow. So, so it was pretty crazy. <laughs> but anyway, it was great working with uh, David. Did did you have to do any any kind of press or answer any questions? Because there was, uh, and I didn't know this, so I, I talked to uh, a guy that he's kind of an expert on, in Canadian cinema, and he was saying that there was kind of an uproar because this was paid for with Canadian tax money, and um, mm-hmm. this guy happened to write an article that said, you should know how bad this film is, you paid for it. Was there ever any backlash towards that that you had to deal with? Well, I never had to deal with any of it because I was, you know, lived in America and, I mean, I don't remember anyone ever even interviewing me uh, for the film or, you know, anything like that. So, um, you know, I didn't I didn't know anything about the movie after it was over and I came back to the States. I mean, I never, I never saw it reviewed. Uh, you know, I had no information about it whatsoever. And then it finally came out, and then it was gone, and I didn't know really anything too much about it until like 30 years later when people started, you know, saying, you know, wow, you were in that? You know, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> you know. refreshing, too, that, that you embrace all that and take it for what it is, even though you didn't know that it was going to become such a, a an iconic cult classic. I, I'm glad to hear that, that you're proud of it. Oh, yeah. Well, you know... Whenever I act or perform, uh, either live for an audience or on a film, I don't care whether it's a $21 million film or a $5,000 film. 
you know, I'm I'm proud that these people have asked me to make their dream come true, and I'm going to do 100 percent uh, of my best that I can do to help them to achieve that. And I've always felt that way. You know, if there's two people in the audience or if it's a full house, I'm going to give a performance like it's a full house. And um, the person who wrote that article, I bet they didn't write another one afterwards um, when they'd made their money back and more from the film. Yeah. The the interesting point that I read, and I don't know if you'd know that this is true, is that uh, he becomes so depressed around that time with the backlash that he even thought of uh, giving up film work altogether because it was there was so much uh, aggravation over over that really? Uh, no I didn't know that that's only what I've read Um, another big director that you worked with uh, in 82 Paul Schrader coming out uh, on Cat People and they they interviewed me for that so I don't know how much uh, they're going to keep of what I told them um, but you know I mean actually I didn't paint the story for them quite the way that it actually was because I didn't want them to take me out of the interview but um uh, Paul was not my favorite director to work with. He was uh, 
really kind of uh, insensitive um, director. Um, but he did let me write some of the lines that are in the scene that I'm in. So I, not very many people know that, but there's two or three lines in that scene that I do that I actually wrote. And um, he, you know, he, the thing was, was that I, I didn't, I had to fall down those stairs like over 20 times and because they couldn't get the shot. And they, and it was very painful and I got really hurt. And they, you know, I just kept having to do it over and over and over. And they were, you know, they didn't take the tacks out the first time I went down the steps. And I got all cut with my hands, got all cut. And I had to have a tetanus shot. And uh, I was bruised and rug burned. And the, um, the choreographer never worked with me. And, you know, it was just, it was kind of brutal. Uh, so, my memories of that film are not, <laughs> they're not ideal memories, but I would do it again because it <laughs> turned out to be an incredible scene and it's very uh, memorable and, um, you know, and it was interesting, definitely interesting working with Paul and I got to go to New Orleans and, uh, you know, do, you know, do that kind of thing. But, you know, the, the thing is, and here's an example, is when I was in New Orleans, they they did, they lit the whole street, they did full body makeup on me, hair, you know, face, whole body, everything, and then all they show in the scene is my legs walking across the street and stepping on the, that piece of glass with my shoe, and that's it. So, you know, you wouldn't have had to have done my hair or my face or full body makeup <laughs> or anything. You know, you wouldn't have had to lit the whole street, you know. Right. So for hours and hours and hours, we were there for that one little thing where I walk across the street and up the steps, you know, which is just amazing, the kind of money that is spent. Uh, I mean, you could have made, you know, ten movies with what was spent that day. So. Right. But, I, you know, but if I had an opportunity to work with Paul again, would I? You bet. <laughs> because, because see now I know how to take care of myself you know and I did actually take care of myself finally on that film because I finally said no I'm not going to fall down the steps again and so uh, they actually offered me more money and so I said I'll do it one more time and so I did it one last time and they, they finally got it they couldn't get the bra to pop open at the end you know he has to show everyone's tits in the movie <laughs> <laughs> they had my bra. They, they had it on strings. The crew was trying to pull it open. It was just all kinds of stuff. They just couldn't get it to work. And so I had to keep, again, falling down the steps and turning over in order to get the bra to pop. So I finally, you know, had it, you know, after doing it so many times, you know. But, but it's a great scene, and uh, and if I look like I'm in a lot of pain as I'm coming down those steps, it's because I am. Oh, my God. That story never gets old. I know. Oh. But I didn't tell it like that in the interview. Um, I didn't put... Well, actually, no one was really to blame, you know. So I didn't right. put blame on anyone. I just kind of said what happened, and, um, yep. you know. Another one I'd like to... Uh, bring up uh, from 2005 Dead Things 
that was kind of like the first film I did when I came back after not acting for 10 years. I mean, I acted in theater, and I had a singing group and did my singing show, but I hadn't done any films in 10 years. And uh, I don't remember how I, I met uh, D.T. D. Carney. Uh, we met on Facebook somehow. But uh, I, you know, he asked me to do this little part, and uh, I'd never seen the film, actually. So I don't even know how I look or how I did or anything. But I just play this neighbor who comes over to and has coffee with Brink, who's the witch. And, you know, I'm just like a normal person in it, you know, who's like wants cream and sugar in her coffee, you know. <laughs> so there's nothing crazy or, you know, really terribly memorable about uh, what I did in that. But I, I think Brink was quite good. And then it was lovely meeting her. Wait. You mentioned about Richard, and I think one of the films I love you in in the 2000s is Splatter Disco. That's a fun film. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I can't really tell you exactly what the, mo- the whole movie means, right. um, but uh, it was a lot of fun. I mean, I uh, actually Mary Warnoff was supposed to do the part that I did. And Mary was off on, she had to go off on some big trip that she had planned, so she couldn't do it. So she recommended me, and Richard knew me and knew my work. Uh, he was a little bit concerned because he had never seen me play, you know, the bitch, you know, the real, you know, tough, broad, uh, you know, kind of thing, which, you know, I've done for years and years in theater, but never on film. Right. And so, you know, but, you know, I mean, he said after I did the first, sentence he was totally you know knew that like was perfect for the part and uh we had a lot of fun i mean it's richard and ted are they're just so much fun to work with you know they're they're just funny and you know he'll just laugh a lot and all the other people in the film were just great you know i mean i had a blast doing that film and that was really early on too when i first started back so And wait, um, William DeCuff played your son? Yes, yes. Great uh-huh. guy. He's a great guy. Yeah. yeah, he's very sweet. And um, he was, you know, he was he was great fun to work with. And we, we've definitely kept in touch. And uh, he's, you know, trying to put together a project and he'd like for me to be in it. So I'm hoping to get to work with him again. Cool. I've really tried to stay in touch with all the people I've worked with now in the last, I don't know when I came back, 2005. Right. Wow. Well, the the next film is also a Richard film, uh, Beyond the Dunwich mm-hmm. Horror. <laughs> right. I'm not. I don't care a whole lot for my part. For well, I look fat in that movie. So, and actually, I was fatter in that movie. So, I gained some weight, and um, um, but you know, I'm supposed to be dead. So I guess if I'm dead and fat, it's okay. <laughs> But, uh, you know, but <laughs> it was fun to do it. I just don't like the way I look um, in it. Um, but we had a ball. There was a big blizzard. I mean, you couldn't hardly even walk. I mean, it was so much snow, and we were trying to get to the library, and we're like in this old library. That was one of the great things about working with Richard, is he got all these really great locations. So, I mean, we had this library for two days, wow. and, um, you know, you could wander around it, and it was really spooky because it was so, 
you know, snowing and everything. But um, yeah, I mean, it's it's a very interesting film, and um, you know, and after I saw it, I lost. I lost a lot of weight after I thought. So I could <laughs> go back to looking uh, well, looking good again. Well, I'm going to spit out a line to you. Stick out your goddamn tongue, sweetie. Bad boys must be punished. Or they will never learn. Stick out your goddamn tongue, sweetie. All of it. Yeah, Basement Jack is one of these films that kind of reminds you of the uh, slasher films like Michael Myers, you know. Basement Jack right. is not the same character, but very similar to the Michael Michael Myers character. I like yeah, that film. Yeah, that was a great film to work on. I, Michael Shelton, um, you know, he's a big FX guy, uh, worked on uh, Terminator Salvation and uh, uh, the Resurrection of Emily Rose, and, mm-hmm. you know, just all kinds of films. This was his first directorial uh, film and um, oh, I just loved playing that part because oh. she's such a monster. I love it too. And you know, it was so much fun to get to to uh, to harness that, right? And and to bring that out, and uh, and it was so much fun. You know, the first day because everybody on the crew and the makeup people and everybody was like scared of me, which I thought was so funny. You know, because I'm really nice, <laughs> and, you know. And then after they, you know, after they worked with me for a little while, you know, I could, I, I would like, you know, like do that one line that you just said, and then I, I would hear them kind of over there whispering, going, "She's so nice. How does she do that?" <laughs> I love that. So, oh my yeah, god. Yeah, so it, it was a lot of fun, you know, to do that. And um, I use that in my, I, I use it in my intro for a long while. That that oh, clip. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, they, they had that in the trailer too. I yeah. wish more people had seen that film. I know. It's really a, quite a remarkable film, it is. and the, the way he describes visually the killings are uh, really uh, amazing. I mean, sometimes you do get to see the kill, and then sometimes you see the aftermath of the kill. Yeah, and uh, you know, and I mean that variety. I thought there was a lot of variety, you know, in that, and you know, so. Yeah. It was great. You should also see uh, Night of the Sea Monkey. It belongs in the sea, so we will give him the sea. Mom, Dad, can I please have this? It's a sea creature that you feed and take care of. Who told me about your little fish? It wasn't a fish. Sea creature. minutes short that I did and I play Grandma O'Connor and um, she's got sort of got dementia and okay. I 
it, it's a comedy. It's a horror comedy, and I battle the the sea monkey, and I save my grandson, and she turns out to be the heroine. I'm very funny in it, and it's um, it was it was a lot of fun to do. Have you guys seen the Super? No, no, I haven't. No. Go ahead, Lynn. Give listeners an idea about Super and your performance in the, in the Super. Well, I don't want to. Um, yeah, say too much. I don't want to tell yeah. too much because right. I don't want to give it away. Um, right. But I play the Super's wife. And I'm in a wheelchair, and um, uh, it was a it was a very interesting project to work on. Uh, Brian and Evan directed it, and they were wonderful. And Alex, the uh, governess, was one of the producers, and he was great. And you know, it was again, it was one of those kind of situations that you sort of go into, and um, they, they both Evan and Brian have children. And Dimitri, who plays uh, my husband in the film, who I think is just brilliant as the super, mm-hmm. I, I think he gives such oh, a good performance. Amen. You know, we were rehearsing the, the first night, and the kids are running through the room, and they're playing, you know, Star Wars with swords and everything, you know, and Dimitri, <laughs> you know, sitting there trying to rehearse our lines, you know, and I'm thinking to myself, okay, well, this is this is this is this experience. And so, you know, just you're here to, to just absorb whatever it is and, you know, do whatever you can. And so, you know, but it was just a, it was just a kind of a different sort of environment and situation to, you know, and a lot of times we would be filming, you know, and you could do kids, they'd get excited back in the back room and start yelling, you know, and cut, <laughs> you know, we'd have to start over and do something again. And, you know, and all that, but yeah. um, but but I think we got uh, some really you know good things, and um, I play a very uh, she's sort of a New Yorker, um, you know, and she's you know she gets agitated with her husband. She doesn't want him to go out all the time, and yep. and then you know, and, she, and like I said, she's in a wheelchair, so that was very challenging for me. And you know, I really, really can't say too much else right. about it without giving away, um, you know, what happens. But I definitely recommend it. Yeah. Uh, it's a very disturbing film, and it I is. mean, you know, I think you kind of cry at the end. You know, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. You know. Well, I'm going to mention one more, and then I'm going to let guys take over. But I watched this like last year, The Haunting of the Wh- of Whaley House. Um, yeah. I thought that you were brilliant in there, as well. Haunt of Whaley House, I thought, was a unique story. Um, yeah. Go ahead. Give listeners an idea of yeah, what you're talking about. Yeah, well, you know, I, I met Jose. I saw um, Jose Prendis. Uh, I just happened to be going through, you know, that page where everybody posts, you know, which sometimes I post on. And if you don't see it, you miss it. <laughs> <laughs> and. So I just happened to see his name. I didn't know who he was, and he was doing this movie. And so, I mean, I emailed him and said, you know, hey, you know, are, are you casting? And so he got right back to me, you know, and he said, oh, I've got this perfect part for you. And it's like a bookend. You know, you, you start the movie and you end the movie. Right. And I thought, oh, well, that sounds that sounds pretty interesting. So, um, you know, so we I went out there uh, to shoot and... Oh, it was so cold. It was so cold. We were in the we were in this house that uh, actually the woman who owned it was murdered in this house, mm. and uh, it was creepy. <laughs> I mean, I was really happy. I was there in the daytime. Yeah, I right. did a lot of nighttime shoots, and I would not have wanted to be in that house 
mm. at night because it was uh, really creepy and they had uh, all of the stuff that she had was still there no kidding in the house yeah and um so you know the the opening scene well again you know I don't want to you know right. give it away um but uh but yeah I got to be you know pretty emotional in it and um you know I I liked what I, I got a lot of attention from that film which I didn't think that I would but well, a lot of people have told me how much they liked me in it it's it's because you perform it persona that you put out there like <sighs> you know, it's that that um, surprise performance that you do. It's like when you perform like that, we don't know if you're hiding something, if you're being uh-huh. real. It's beautiful work, beautiful. That's Thank why. You. Mm-hmm. So. you know, Torture Chamber is coming out in January. I want to see that. That Dante Thomas Dali directed, and I'm I'm very proud of my work in that film. It's uh, it's you know, I have a real really nice role in that film. It's, got a beginning, middle, and end, and it's uh, it's very well put together, it's visually beautiful, um, you know, I think it's going to get, get, I think people are going to really like my performance in that film, and also I have coming out Model Hunger, Ooh. and I don't think, Debbie Rashawn directed that, and I think that once people see me do that film, I will probably never be cast as a heroine again, <laughs> because... I'm telling you, this woman, she she's a Southern Belle, and she is she's the most vicious person I ever played. Wow. If you thought the woman in Basement Jack was vicious, she is a hundred times more vicious oh, wow. than um, than that 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 role. So I'm I'm really excited about that because it's, I star in it with Tiffany Shepis, and it's an extremely powerful. Um, part, so wow. I think that's gonna gonna get me some notice. I hope more well, notice. I'm sure it will. Notice. I'm sure it will because I mean it's it's a shame. I don't I don't want to keep going back on the same movie again. But you mentioned um, with Basement Jack. I think if more people would have seen that film and to see you in that performance, I could really see you getting more not similar but very close to the same character because you pulled it off fantastic in that that kind of a role so thank you you know i i really thought that a lot of people would see that and i really thought that i would start getting um more you know films bigger budget you know films you know not that i don't like doing the the lower budget films but you know i'd like to move to another level and do um you know some bigger budget films and um and that one was a bigger budget and i really did think that um I would be able to use that as a stepping stone, but I just don't think they advertised it uh, right, and just so many people have not seen it, and it's just a shame. You were in a soap opera. I did not know that. Yes. How to Survive a Marriage. (laughs) That's the one, yeah, and and, uh, uh, right along with some other high-profile people, too, uh, F. Murray Abram. Uh, Armin and Asante. Yeah. What was that like? Uh, did did it? It probably helped you uh, in in growing as an actress. It's probably pretty demanding. Yeah, it's actually uh, extremely demanding working on soap. You know, you have to um, you know come in in the morning and um, you're you know you do a dry run and then you do 
a blocking, you do a blocking rehearsal and then you do a dry run and, and during the process of all this, they're like getting your hair ready and your makeup perfect and your costume and all that and then you do like a rehearsal and then you do a dress rehearsal and then you put it on film, uh, tape it. And, um, you know, it's kind of like theater in a way except it's all done in one day. And if you have a role that you're like on five days a week, which I had for for a while, and then I had also towards the end of it. Um, it's a it's a pretty intense training for an actor to you know to go through, and and it was great you know working with Armand and uh, and F Murray, and also the guy that played my boyfriend in the movie was Brad Davis. I was going to ask you about that too. He's a he's achieved cult status for Midnight Express. What was that like working with him? Oh yeah. Oh, he's he was crazy. I mean, he, he really totally was a crazy nut person. Um, yeah, we we actually got to know each other pretty well, and you know, he was just a very gosh, I can't even explain. He was kind of like James Dean, but uh, but just really, he was just kind of crazy. And unfortunately, you know, I think that added to his demise in the end but um, I mean he did things like here's an example they told him in rehearsal they told him not to do anything destructive in the scene because he would do things that no one expected and <laughs> and so he comes into the scene you know and they're filming it and he like knocks over the like the whole like china cabinet you know <laughs> And he, they, he got fired for it. I mean, they fired him <laughs> after that. Mm. But, you know, he didn't care. You know, he was just like, you know, he was going to do what he felt. He was like a real method, you know, kind of actor. And, mm -hmm. you know, he was just going to do what he wanted to do. And, of course, you know, he went on to do uh, Sybil and um, Roots. And, you know, I mean, he was very good actor, you know, just... Real, real shame that he left left us so early. Absolutely, yeah, I love it's, that. Yeah, it was really cool. It was probably the coolest piece of trivia that I found out about you that I didn't know, and uh, it really made sense. Yeah. I thought, well, it, it probably made her a little more comfortable doing the the independent films because it, it's a little bit kind of like a guerrilla filmmaking on the spot. It's kind of in the same yeah. vein. The subject matter's a little different. Right. Yeah, guerrilla filmmaking. Well, I, I always tell, I always tell them, you know, I would say, look, I'm, I'm, re I'm still really good at 12 hours, but if you go over 12 hours, I can't guarantee that I'm still going to be a really nice person because I get, I get, you know, and I'm working with all these guys, you know, people, and they're all like in their 30s, and so they can go for like 18 hours, you know, and I'm like, hey, you know, I. I can't do that anymore, you know. I mean, and actually on Night of the Sea Monkey, I worked for 18 hours uh, one day. So that was, uh, that was difficult. Oh, boy. Uh, we did it. Oh, another film I have coming out is The Grim Becoming. Yes. The Death Phone Pictures did. Yes. And that's going to be a, a lot of fun. So, you know, that that was a great experience as I went to Buffalo. I, I shot shot Model Hunger in Buffalo last summer. And so this summer I went there and did, uh, um, I did that film. And I also did uh, The Legend of Six Fingers um, that, with, that Gregory Lambertson produced. 
uh, and Sam uh, directed. And I also did an episode of the uh, Outlaw that uh, that Ace uh, Genovese directed. Yeah, yeah. But uh, but the Grim Becoming was great because I I got there and I walked in and um, they're making up my husband. I play mother and he plays father in right. the movie. They're making him up to look like he's ninety. Oh, and I wow. said, I said, are, what are you going to make me up to, like that? And, and they said, oh no, you're just going to be. You're just going to look like you. We're not even doing your makeup. You're, you're you're doing your own makeup and hair. And I was like, you know, WTF? You know, <laughs> what do you mean? What's going on? And so they they started out. They they were giving me clothes and sort of making me kind of look like an Edith the Bunker character. And and so somebody came up to me and said, "Are you going to like be his granddaughter?" And I thought. No, but you know what I could be is I could be like a kind of a Brooklyn young younger airhead who's married, you know, to the rich old man. And so I went to the director, you know, and I said, "Can you know?" I did one of my lines, you know, for him, you know, and I got called Father Honey Bear, so he was like, "Honey Bear, you know, we have to go to the hotel and get our room, you know, that, that kind of character." Yeah. And he loves it. So I so I ended up doing you know this kind of blonde you know airhead dumb you know character and it was great fun so I think that that's going to be really good when it comes out group of people I think I'm going to be working with them again next summer too so sweet um, yeah yeah and and George's intervention is another one yep. that Jake Seaton directed this. A lot of fun. I play the interventionist, and she's a hoot. <laughs> I actually won the best actress award uh, at the at the uh, White Fever Yellow Fever Film Festival in Ireland for that part. Nice. And I won uh, best supporting actress for Basement Jack at the Terror Film Festival. Oh, I can see in why. In Philly. Hell yeah! Um, and that that the Darlene Clementines, I interviewed oh, yeah. um, April and and her husband. And we and they talked about that film, so that looks like a pretty cool film too, as well. Yeah, that's an exceptionally brutal film, um, <laughs> exceptionally sexually brutal film. <laughs> I don't get to do anything though, really, really sexual, except that I I did email Jimmy Jimmy O back, and I said, how come I don't get to do anything that's sexual in the film? <laughs> and he was like, oh wow, I didn't think that you would. And I said, well, you know, I'm not a nun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could do something. Yeah. So he so he wrote this um, scene in uh, that's like a flashback scene. So I get to be much younger in that scene, and then uh, you know, then I get to be uh, the older, you know, the mama, the mama of the girls, you know. And she's like, uh, you know, she's like, you better shut your mouth. I'm gonna hit you with this spice water. Oh, I love it. You know, <laughs> and I mean it right now. You shut up. Oh, I love that it. That kind of character. Yeah. So that should be a lot of fun to do that. You know, I love working with Debbie Rashawn. She's going to be one of my daughters and April. and So it should be great. Yeah. Everyone, this is my stepbrother, Victor. 
What's up? Victor's very adaptable. It never takes him too long to make friends. What's with all the sunscreen? I tend to burn easily. I never go where I'm not invited. It's official. My brother is weird. He also talks to his cat. You probably haven't heard this one before. There's this new boy at school by the name of Victor Levy, and I'm certain he's a vampire. Now I have to destroy him before it's too late. You're referring to that nice boy that I met yesterday. He's my stepbrother. Your stepbrother is a vampire. We have arrived. And we suck. Nothing's happening. We see it only works on vampires. He's actually a vampire pretending to be a boy pretending to be a vampire. It's a perfect cover. We are so becoming vampires. You mean the dark lords of the universe? He's so dreamy. We're all a part of the human nation. Check out knowledge, give it a taste, because a mind is a terrible thing to waste. When a cat tells you she's got an unusual tale about a stepbrother that may be a vampire, you should pay attention. That was a hoot. <laughs> um, have you seen it? No, not yet, no. I, I play the principal of the high school, and, um, and I'm very, very funny in it. Um, She's got some funny lines, and this, you know, one of the girls' students trying to tell me that her brother is a vampire, her stepbrother is a vampire, you know, and I'm just like, uh, I'm, you know, just I'm, sure. I'm, I'm humoring her, you know, doing all these things, but it, it's quite funny. So I love my part in that. Good. You know, that was that was a lot of fun to do. It was actually written uh, originally for the principal to be a little bit hot for the for the vampire kid but uh, they took that out because they they did they thought they thought that was too risque they didn't want you know anything like that so they took you know that out but yeah <laughs> like I can't remember but I think I smelled his hair at one point or something or you know had like a little bit of a crush True. You know. now is there anything else that you're allowed to talk about that we have not mentioned um no not really I mean I'm Still working on uh, a project that uh, I'm hoping to do, but I can't. I can't really mention it. Okay. It's a, it would be a remake of something, but um, it's in the works. I'm hoping it's going to happen, and you know, I'm just um, you know doing conventions. Yeah. And, uh, I may be doing a little film called Christ Rising. Uh, with Camille Keaton, nice. um, and uh, up on a mountain in a cabin in the snow or something. So that would be fun because I, I love Camille and we've gotten to be really good friends. She's actually coming over on Tuesday. We're going out for dinner together. Cool. Yeah, she's great. Uh, mm -hmm. So I'm doing that and just kind of waiting for these two big films to come out that I star in. You know, Torture Chamber and Mall Hunger. I want to see it myself. Yeah, they're they're very good. Oh, and uh, Dante is working on two new films. Uh, you know, he's doing the remake of Alice, Sweet Alice. Yeah. And yeah, and also uh, the Doll. And um, I'm you know hoping to uh, play the aunt in Alice, Sweet Alice. You know, I've been yeah. hitting him up on that, but you know, he's not going to be, I don't think, completely in charge of casting. So. I, I don't know, but I'm, you know, definitely put in my bid for it and I would love to work with him again because he's uh, just a charming, wonderful, you know, soft-spoken, you know, it's very funny because he's so soft-spoken and he'll say, you know, I think you, you need to get, like, some more blood in her hair. 
<laughs> and he says it was just such an easy going way, you know, it's just right. like, you know, so it's just funny. But, but yeah, that's about it. I've been doing conventions and just enjoying um, being a, a horror uh, personality. Yeah. You know, it's been great. A reborn, you know? Yeah. Come back after 10 years and... You know, it took a little time, but then when it, when it started getting like 2009-ish, then you started taking off again, and now you're just, you're back to that huge stardom again. Yeah, yeah. and Fangoria, you know, had me on the cover, and um, they do articles, you know, on yeah. me, and, well, you know, it's been great. It's been really, Excellent. really fun to get a second chance uh, to uh, do films, and, yeah. um, you know share some of my personalities with fans that they haven't seen before. Right. I got a few of them. (laughs) Yeah, I want real quick, I'll ask you about that. So, what is your experience like now, I mean, as far as going to conventions now? I mean, what are the, I mean, obviously, is it always the same ones coming up, the crazies, and Um, what is the most common question? Well, you know, the most common question always is, what would you like to work with George Romero? Okay. And what was it like to work with David Cronenberg? Okay. Which I never get tired of those questions. Right. Um, I mean, I love those questions because I love talking about the two of them. But, um, you know, unfortunately, most of the fans still know me and love me, which is great, and that's not unfortunate, but from the old films. And, you know, every now and then, a little bit here, a little bit there, somebody will you know, mention the super or George's intervention or Basement Jack, you know, so slowly it's, you know, coming, yeah, coming up. Yeah. Um, but still the majority of the fans, um, you know, want to talk about the, the 70s stuff. Yeah. Well, I can see why, because uh, <laughs> horror conventions are basically for, you know, for that reason. I mean, I mean, there's new, new work too, but I mean, a lot of them will say, oh my God, it's Lynn Lowry. Remember her from the crazies? So you're you're always yeah. going to have that. It, it's not going to be oh my god. Now unless you're a younger generation, like in your twenties, they might say, oh my god, it's Lynn Lowry. She was from Dead Girls Don't Cry. You know, I'm just saying. <laughs> you know, it's it'll take right. time for that, but you know, but it is. I'm not in that though, you know. Well, I, I just I'm sit up top of my head. Whatever happens out there. <laughs> I just oh, but you know that. what I what I I'm going to do. Is I have this big banner, this life-size banner, and I'm and I have a photograph on it now. But I'm going to put my photograph on it from Model Hunger, and I have this one scene in Model Hunger where I'm in this um, really sexy black lingerie stuff, oh, wow. and I'm standing by a pole. It's a really cool shot, and so I'm going to uh, put that on a life-size banner. So maybe I'll start. Maybe people will start going, oh, what's that from? You know, I can yeah. encourage them more about the new stuff. Yeah. Um, All right. Guys, anything you have to say to this young princess? <laughs> <laughs> Miss, have you ever been asked to do a convention in the UK? You know, I'm going to, um, I'm going to do Misty Moon Society in um, Greenwich in March, uh, which is a really great venue. They... I'm going to be there for four nights. We're going to show four of my movies, and they bring an audience of 50 people in each night. And I am the hostess, and I talk to everybody, do a Q&A, and then they can, you know, buy my pictures and all that stuff if they'd like to. I'm trying to get into the memorabilia in Birmingham, also in March while I'm there. 
and then I'm going to Germany to do um, uh, Movie Days, The Dark Zone in March. So that's my first time to do a convention uh, over there. So I'm very excited about that. Is that near you, John? Now, Burnham is only a couple of hours' drive away, so I'd be more than happy to to drive up there. Um, oh, that's my, great. Yeah, my uh, final question mm-hmm. would be, uh, could you name uh, your favourite horror film? Uh, my favourite horror film? Oh, man. That's a toughie. <laughs> well, I have two, actually. Uh, the Omen with Gregory Peck. Yes. Which I yeah, love. Me, I think perfect film. Me and Gruesome and, spoke about that. And um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. You go, girl. Oh, wow. <laughs> I love that. I think See, that man. is truly one of the most chilling uh, films I've ever seen and one of the scariest. And there's hardly not a drop of blood in the movie. Everybody thinks it's so bloody, you see no blood. Yep. Um, And I've just become really good friends with uh, John Dugan, who I was shocked to meet because I expected this old, old man, you know, to come crawling up to me. (laughs) You know. Yeah. You know, John did that film, well, I guess he was in his 20s or something. I'm I'm not sure, but... um, And also um, Gunnar, Gunnar Hansen. I've met a couple of times now, and he's great. So those two, I would say, I really like a lot. And, and of course, Halloween is also one of my favorites, the original. Yeah, you go, I just actually watched all five of them over Halloween week. (laughs) 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 They were all on. And so I had a Halloween marathon. I'd never seen number five. Oh, yeah? So, you know, I got to see five. But one and two are my favorites. Mine, too. Excellent. Well, I, I pretty much uh, just have some parting words. I, I wanted to thank you for your time, and I want to thank you for uh, – you said it best. I, I feel like you give your effort to any project that you're involved in, no matter how great or small it may seem at the time. And I think because you've been so gracious, I think it's paid off for you that, that those little films that, that seem to be definitely south of sanity that you were involved in became you know staples for horror from – uh, very influential filmmakers that, that shape cinema. And uh, just talking to you, I understand uh, why you have stayed around and uh, why you are the professional that you are. Oh, thank you so much. I, I really appreciate that. I love I love to work. I love to act. And I love the fans. And I wouldn't be where I am if it wasn't for them. So I'm always very thrilled to meet them. I, I love going to conventions and meeting them. They're wonderful. All right. Lynn, I love you to death. Thanks for coming on again. Uh, Thank you so much. You're charming as always, and it's great to talk to you. So. I can say you guys have a great holiday. Yeah. Too. Thanks for coming on. Really appreciate it. Oh, uh, it was thank nice you. talking to you. really was. And I, I, hope, I hope you go to Birmingham next year, and I'll travel up there. I would love that. That would be wonderful. I hope so, too. Cool. All right, Lynn. Take care of yourself, sweetheart. Talk soon. You too. We'll see you, babe. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I am known by many names. I am a member of the exclusive for a horseman's club. 
the goo. In the beginning it was only I, but as the Earth's and other planets' population grew, so did my stress. So I decided to seek out beings and give them the power to do my job. Delegation, you see. So I... Ah! That stings. Feel my embrace, as will your children and your children's children. But I don't want to become grim. Becoming grim. In a grim becoming. <laughs> <laughs> Ha 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 